This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Dr. Ishna Sharma, current bariatric metabolic and minimally invasive surgery fellow at Mayo Clinic's Rochester campus. Childhood obesity has become an increasingly important issue in the U.S. as well as globally. Between 2017 and 2020, there has been a prevalence of almost 20% in the U.S., affecting almost 15 million children and adolescents, defined at a BMI at or above the 95th percentile based on CDC growth charts. This is associated with many comorbidities, including hypertension, hypercholesterolemia, type 2 diabetes, sleep apnea, and asthma. The American Academy of Pediatrics, or the AAP, recently released their first ever guidelines since 2007, featuring management as a core component, as well as the use of certain anti-obesity medications and bariatric surgery in patients 13 years or older. This episode is focused on how a primary care provider can help to guide a pediatric patient with obesity through their weight loss journey. This episode will look at aspects including both medical and surgical options available for these patients today. Today, we're joined by Dr. Seema Kumar, a Mayo Clinic pediatric endocrinologist, as well as Dr. Todd Kellogg, a metabolic and bariatric surgeon, who will help guide us in answering these questions and more. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Kumar and Dr. Kellogg. Dr. Kumar, we'll start with you. Where in the weight loss journey do you usually meet pediatric patients who are suffering from obesity? Yeah, because I'm a pediatric obesity medicine specialist, vast majority of patients that I see in my practice have already been informed that their child has obesity, and they have already attempted lifestyle changes with the goal of weight loss. So a lot of times I've seen patients and families that have not been able to achieve weight loss with lifestyle modifications and are seeking further options such as medications or surgery. Having said that, there are certainly patients in our practice that we see that are still trying to understand what obesity is and what the impact of obesity is on the child's health. So we'll certainly see some patients that have really not understood what excessive weight really means in terms of their child's health. And that's where we educate them more and do a complete assessment, looking at factors that lead to weight loss and how obesity is affecting their child's health. Your typical patient that you meet, have they already tried various methods of weight loss or is it kind of new to them and you're the first person they're meeting to discuss this? Because of the nature of our practice, you know, me being a pediatric obesity medicine specialist, a large number of patients I see have already tried lifestyle medications under the supervision of their primary care provider. Okay. What kinds of factors do you consider when you're counseling your patient on what their next steps are going to be in their weight loss journey? Yeah. The first thing we do is we want to better understand what the reasons for weight gain are. We know that obesity is a complex and persistent disease, and there are important drivers that are biologic, physiologic, socioeconomic, and environmental that lead to weight gain in a child. So the first thing we want to understand is what's driving the weight gain whether it's a genetic reason or medications that they may have been put on for other reasons that lead to weight gain. The second thing we try to understand is how's weight affecting this child's health. And when we talk about health, we're not just talking about diabetes, cholesterol, liver tests, but we're also thinking about how it's affecting their mental health. So that's the second piece of assessment is how's obesity affecting their health. Once we've done that assessment, then we like to figure out what have they tried so far in terms of weight loss? 
And then we tailor our approach based on every child's individual situation. That's an excellent point that mental health is a huge component that plays a part in this disease process. And I would imagine that pediatric mental health is a different animal from when we are managing adult patients with obesity. What are some other unique considerations when managing pediatric obesity? The main big difference is that children are dependent on their families when it comes to nutrition and physical activity. So really, family plays a big role in determining a child's growth. So children are dependent on parents. So we really place a lot of emphasis on supporting the family in a non-judgmental and non-stigmatizing approach to help them provide the best nutrition and the best physical activity opportunities for their child. So children do need their parents to be good role models and we really need a family-oriented approach more in children than in adults. The other thing is the data on use of medications in children is more limited than in adults. We don't have good long-term efficacy and safety data for medications in children, so the data is still lagging behind. And when it comes to surgical methods for obesity, again, remembering that children are not just small adults. We need to think about their ability to understand what a surgical procedure means for weight loss and whether they're able to consent or not. So the families play a big role in that as well. In your experience, beyond lifestyle modifications, what are the most commonly used either methods or medical therapies that pediatric patients try to use today? There are several medications that have been approved by the Food and Drug Administration to be used as anti-obesity medications in children. So those are the next step once there has been some failure of lifestyle modifications. I do want to emphasize one more thing, if I could, is that the lifestyle modifications have to be intense as much as possible. There's very clear-cut data in children that the more intense the modification attempts are, the better the results are. So every primary care provider should do their best to make it possible for the child and the family to receive as intense a treatment as possible for making changes in their lifestyle. And that may not be possible with the resources, but that's where they need to learn more about the community resources that make it possible for children to get higher intensity treatments for behavior change. In terms of lifestyle modifications, are there any particular resources that you have found helpful that a PCP could direct a patient to or their family to? It is important for the PCP to be aware of resources that are available in the community. It is practically not possible for a healthcare system to be able to give all the resources to children and their families. So important for the PCP to make themselves familiar with resources available in the community. This could be a YMCA, this could be a food bank, it could be local parks that allow children to eat healthy and be physically active. The American Academy of Pediatrics has many resources and education materials that primary care providers could access to use in their offices. We'll place a link to the AAP site that lists some of these resources in the podcast description for this episode. In terms of the methods or specifically the few anti-obesity medications that have the, the limited data, are there any broad differences between them for a pediatric patient or what's kind of the thought process behind which is individually best for a patient? The choice of the medication depends on the patient's specific medical history, their age 
their other health conditions that they may have in addition to obesity and also the other medications that they're on at the time of the assessment. So the choice of the medication really depends on age of the child, severity of obesity, their own health problems, whether they have diabetes or not, and the other medications that they're on, because some of these medications would interact with each other. Some of these medications are oral and some are injectable. And again, these are the same medications as are used in adults, but just the data is limited in children at this time. In terms of surgical options that are available for pediatric patients today, what factors do you consider when considering referring these patients to a bariatric surgery program? We consider a bariatric surgery for children that have severe obesity, and in particular, those that have health-related complications. And these could be children with diabetes, sleep apnea, high blood pressure. Certainly, these patients should have tried medical therapies before being considered for bariatric surgery. Having said that, bariatric surgery is the most effective modality for weight loss in adolescents with severe obesity. So we do consider this therapy in children with severe obesity that have multiple health-related complications and have not responded well to medical therapies. Dr. Kellogg, uh, as a bariatric surgeon, you meet these patients at a place where they've been referred to you. So they, they, they and their families do have some awareness of bariatric surgery. What factors do you consider when you're discussing these options with these patients? Well, I consider their support system, first of all. They have to have a good support system. As Dr. Kumar mentioned before, the family is inherently important to that process. These patients, I look for a level of maturity in these patients. They have to be able to understand to what they're signing up for with the bariatric surgery and understand that there will be a modification of the way they eat which is, everybody knows, central daily activity. So that is a couple of factors. We have a pediatric psychologist who has a very important role in identifying barriers to surgery in these patients and their families. She will assess the not only the patient, but the family situation and try to at least ensure that the proper support is there, the environment that the child will need to thrive after surgery is there for that child. So those are kind of the main things that we look at. Obviously, their obesity has to be severe to the point where surgery is the best option for them. And those are typically the patients we see and operate on. And that's an excellent point that obesity as a disease requires a multidisciplinary effort, but especially even more so in the pediatric world where the support system and the family is so important. In your experience, what are the most commonly performed bariatric procedures in the pediatric world? The most common procedure that we do, and I think this is true nationally and probably internationally, is the procedure called the vertical sleeve gastrectomy, whereby approximately 75 to 80% of the stomach, the greater curvature of the stomach is removed, which effectively turns the stomach into a tube rather than a sac. And this basically limits the number of calories that can be eaten. So it changes the size in terms of reduces the size of the food reservoir in the stomach. And this leads to a um, loss of approximately 30% of their total body weight. 
In terms of the surgical procedures that are available across the management of obesity, what are reasonable options in the pediatric world and, and how do you choose which procedure is best for each individual patient? Really, the two most common bariatric operations are the sleeve gastrectomy and the Roux-en-Y gastric bypass. And we prefer the sleeve gastrectomy in most adolescents due to its simplicity. Patients after sleeve gastrectomy are less likely to have any nutritional deficits, such as hypoalbuminemia, and it's a little bit easier to manage in terms of the diet postoperatively. That said, a, if a pediatric patient has severe reflux disease that is difficult to control on medications, they would not be a candidate for the sleeve gastrectomy, which can worsen that reflux. And in fact, they would be a much better candidate for the Roux-en-Y gastric bypass, which will improve reflux disease in 100% of patients and could in fact resolve it in 80% or so. Um, overall, broadly speaking, uh, Dr. Kumar, we'll go back to you. What would you suggest to a PCP or a provider who has a pediatric patient with obesity? Where should they start? And then at what point should they start referring this patient to more specialized centers, such as a pediatric endocrinologist or a bariatric surgery program? Yeah, first of all, I'd like to say that just recognizing that there is bias against individuals with obesity, that's very prevalent among healthcare providers and the community at large. So just starting with the PCP being aware that obesity is a complex, persistent disease that has biologic, genetic, environmental, and socioeconomic drivers. So just recognizing that it's just not a matter of personal choice, but it's really more complex than that. Second thing is to treat children with obesity and their families in a supportive manner, not judgmental, just remembering that we need to support them the best they can. I would suggest that the providers do a comprehensive assessment to make sure that there are no endocrine genetic causes for weight gain being missed. They're rare, but definitely don't want to miss those. And really doing a comprehensive assessment to see how obesity is affecting the health of the child. After that's been done, I'd suggest they work with the family and the child to facilitate lifestyle changes. And this might require help from a dietitian, physical activity and sleep hygiene as well. So once they've done the lifestyle changes and if there's no improvement in weight, I would encourage PCPs to consider referral to physicians with expertise in pediatric obesity. And this could be for consideration of anti-obesity medications, but also for bariatric surgery, as you heard from Dr. Kellogg. These are some excellent takeaways and learning points from today's conversation to keep in mind that obesity is a chronic disease, multifactorial, to keep in mind that there is bias amongst the healthcare system and, and in general. And so it's a very sensitive topic that, that we need to be mindful of when we're helping these patients. We've been talking about pediatric obesity with Dr. Seema Kumar and Dr. Todd Kellogg. Thank you for your time, Dr. Kumar and Dr. Kellogg. Thanks for having us. If you have enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, please follow us as we continue our special series on obesity. If you would like to earn CME credit for this obesity-related series or other Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, please visit ce.mayo.edu. Thank you for listening and tune in next week as we learn more together. Music